I invite you to open in your Bible to John chapter 3 and be ready to follow along as we have three people are going to read verses 14 through 18 for us. So we have Cadence and Columbia Tippett and Salvatore Martinelli. So come on up, and if you open in your Bibles to John chapter 3, here's your instructions. As a church family, every time you hear the word whoever, raise your hand, okay? When you hear the word whoever, as they are reading, raise your hand. John three fourteen, and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. John three fifteen, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. John 3.15, for God to love the world, that David only son, whoever believes him, sin of her, but has her life. Yes. John 3.17, for God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that they would be saved. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God, God's one and only Son. Amen. Thank you very much. You did an outstanding job. Wonderful. We have another reader in a little bit, but... Those are familiar verses to many of us who grew up in church, but I want us to especially pay attention to that word, whoever, because it reminds us of how, how our Lord receives people. Have you ever thought about the, the, the events in Scripture and the people that Jesus received? I mean, do you realize, as Scripture reveals to us, that he was constantly with sinners, right? He was with tax collectors. In fact, you remember the story of Zacchaeus? Zacchaeus was a wee little man. Wee, I'm not sure how wee-wee he was, but he was, he was shorter. And, uh, and, and the interesting thing about Zacchaeus is not because he was short, but, but he was a tax collector. He was a traitor, if you will. It'd be like us today working for North Korea, right, in the events of uh, recent here. It would be like us traitor, being that kind of traitor. And, and, and here's Zacchaeus, and what Jesus does is amazing. He says, Zacchaeus, come down from that tree because I'm, I'm going to your house. What? No way. Every good Jew, every devout Pharisee would have stayed far away from Zacchaeus' house. But here Jesus goes into the house, and those that are there said, doesn't he know he's with sinners? And Jesus makes this statement, today salvation has come to this house. Jesus received Zacchaeus. I mean, stop and think about it. Levi. Levi is sitting at his tax booth, and Jesus comes along and doesn't just talk about salvation with him, but says, follow me. Follow me. He received Levi as one of his 
disciples, and then even more so as one of the 12 apostles. Amazing who Jesus received. Remember Jesus was in Samaria and he was sitting at the well (laughs) and this lady comes out? Now, he's in Samaria. These are Samaritan people, so that's strike one. But then she comes out, and it was tradition and it was custom in that day that a man should not talk with a woman one-on-one. So she's a woman. She comes to the well, and Jesus begins this conversation with her. He receives a Samaritan woman, and it gets worse. She has been divorced five times, and now she's living with a man. But what happens? Jesus talks with her. He receives her. He shares the truth about himself with her. And the scripture says that not only did she come to believe in Jesus, but many, many, many from that Samaritan city put their trust in Jesus. All because he received. He received people. He received the poor. He received the sick and the lame. And he touched the leper. He received people. And I'm so glad he did, aren't you? Because the scripture says that we too, when we come to faith in Jesus, we are received by him. Here's the point. Whoever believes in him, I had you raise your hand when they read that, whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Whoever believes in him, he receives them. Whoever believes, Jesus receives. And I love what the Apostle Paul says to the church at Corinth. He, he basically tells them, well, let me read it for you. He says, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor idolaters, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And we go, yeah, they shouldn't. But then Paul does this little flip. He goes, and such were some of you. But praise God, he goes on and says, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. See, those who believe, Jesus will receive. And today we come to communion And I want us to think about that. I want us to recognize that apart from him, we were dead in our trespasses and sin. Apart from him, we did not have any capabilities of inheriting the kingdom of God. But when we put our faith and trust in Jesus, guess what? He received us just like that. He didn't go, no, 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 you got to clean up first. No, 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 you got to pay up. No, 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 you got to shape up before I receive. No, he received us just like that. It's an amazing thing. And it's one of those things that I want us to focus on as we come to communion this morning. Whoever believes, Jesus receives. Men who have been selected to, uh, to hand out the elements, would you come forward and I'd just ask us to pray together. Our dear Heavenly Father, we come this morning so grateful that we, when we have put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, have been received by you. No questions asked. You, you, don't, you don't expect us to, to somehow perform so as to achieve what you want us to achieve. You just accept us as we are. 
And we recognize this morning that that is only possible because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ. We recognize that without the shedding of his blood, we could have no forgiveness. We would not be received. We would still be helplessly, hopelessly lost in our sins. And so, Father God, thank you for Jesus. Lord Jesus, thank you for coming. Thanking you for, we thank you for dying on the cross, experiencing the shame and the excruciating pain of it, and dying as the scapegoat, dying as the one who, who took upon himself our sins that we might be forgiven. Lord, we come to this communion time reminding, remembering, recognizing that when we believe, you receive us. And we give you praise and thanks for that. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to invite you now to turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 15. We're going to kind of be looking at a few different passages today, so it'll be like a sword drill for you. But this is going to be our key text. This is going to be the text that we jump out of. Uh, and the reason why we wanted to focus on the fact that whoever believes Jesus receives is because that's what we are called to do toward one another as well. We are called to receive one another, or to put it in a different term, to accept one another. We've been talking about love strong, and you're probably, well, if you are sick and tired of hearing about love strong, you better get used to it, okay? We're going to talk about love strong until the Lord returns, because it is the greatest commandment we can follow aside from loving God is loving others. So if that is indeed the case, and I wholeheartedly believe it is because Jesus himself said it is, then we're going to talk about love strong till eternity. And in eternity, we will experience love strong. So, we're talking about love strong, and the question that we began several weeks ago was this question, what would it look like if a church were to love one another strongly? What would it look like? And I remember saying to you that the scripture gives us a description. It helps us understand what it would look like. Because there are these things called the one another statements of Scripture. They are commands in the Scripture that tell us how we are to treat other Christians, other believers, other followers of Christ. And if you looked at all of the one another's and you, 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 you put them all together, you would see that there are like 36 different commands. Some of them are repeated like love one another is repeated 15 different times in the scriptures. Some of them are repeated twice or four times. But if you looked at all of the commands, there's 36 of them all together, all these one another's. And so I want us to look at this passage of Scripture, Romans, which introduces us to the A of one another. Because we said this, that the vision of love strong is as simple as A, B, C. The vision of love strong is as simple as A, B, C. And what we've tried to do is to group those 36 one another's into three categories. One of those categories starts with A. One starts with B, and one starts with C. It's on the screen. 
accept one another, build up one another, and confide in one another. Now, let me make a few statements before I have, um, uh, uh, where is she? Cayenne? Is she back there? Okay. Cayenne's going to come and read, and as she does, let me just make a few statements about these three categories. Accept A, build up B, and confide in C. Now, this next chart shows you an upside-down triangle, and it'll show you the width of this. The closer you get to C, the fewer people you will have influence with, the fewer people you will confide in. So accepting one another is very wide. All believers we are called to accept When you get to the build up one another, it becomes fewer because we don't have opportunity to rub shoulders with every believer, but we have opportunity to rub shoulders with these few believers that we can build up. And then when you get to confide, it becomes even even fewer, maybe one, maybe two, maybe three at the most. And and these are people that you, you, you can talk to about anything. You trust them. So there's the width. It goes from every believer to some believers to very few believers, A, B, C. But also there's a depth here. There's a depth that we need to understand. When you're talking about accepting others, we know that that depth is, it's, it's, you know, it, it's a mile wide, right, as they say, but an inch deep. You, you don't have opportunity to get super deep with every believer, But when you get to the building up part, that is an opportunity to to build up those that maybe you're in a small group Bible study with or that you're doing ministry with. You You get to build them up. And so there's a little bit more depth. And then when you get into the confiding aspect of this, you recognize that this is great depth, that this is meeting with somebody that you trust, that will bear your burdens and you will bear their burdens. It is this very very intimate and deep relationship. And by the way, I don't probably have to say this, but just to clarify, when we get to the confide in, we're talking, it needs to be an appropriate relationship. In other words, men with other men, women with other women. I am no way suggesting that you, as a man, find a woman who is not your wife and confide in them. Please do not do that. Okay? Okay, thank you. So it's going to be gender appropriate, but it's going to be few and it's going to be deep. So that's, we'll talk about this more as we get going. But this morning what we want to do is zero in on the A, accepting one another. We have said at our communion time that those who believe he receives. And the call is for us to receive or to accept one another as Cayenne is going to come and she's going to read Romans 15 verses 5 through 7. Romans, Romans 15, 5 through 7. May the God of in, endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. Amen. Thank you, Cayenne. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. Did you see the vision? 
The vision there is that together with one accord, with one mind, with one heart, we together glorify the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that a beautiful picture? For some reason, every time I read this passage, I think of the Charlie Brown Christmas episode where at the end, you remember, the kids are singing and all their mouths are the same. You know, they, they're all big and oh, and everybody's all the same. That, to me, is a picture of this passage, that together with one voice, mouths open wide, all together in the same width and, and everything, we're praising the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. But notice what it says in verse 7. Therefore, here's the vision that you all together unitedly glorify the Father, and therefore welcome one Another or accept one another as Christ or God has accepted you. See, that's the one another we're talking about, that acceptance. To accept one another is to open up your arms and, and, and welcome them in. But as we talk about the A of the ABC of strong love, the acceptance of one another, there are some other one another's that fall under this category, and I'd like us to look at them, and we're going to look at them very briefly today, okay? <laughs> very briefly. But I want you to see that there are some other one another's that, that fall under this accepting category, and the first one is this, that, that if we're going to accept one another, and it is the start, then it's going to first of all involve greeting one another, greeting one another. Five different times in the scripture, in the New Testament, the people are encouraged, are you ready for this, to greet one another with a holy kiss. Mm, right? A big, fat, juicy kiss. No, actually, if you have seen what they do in the Middle East, it's kissing each other on the cheek. The idea here... It, is a very warm greeting, a warm welcome. And so, so what I like about this is this gives us this recognition of greeting far beyond the culture of America. See, our culture, our greeting is, or sometimes it's just a nod of the head, right? Hey, I acknowledge you. Hey. Or, I love this, in our culture, in our churches, it means shaking hands with five people before you sit down. <laughs> I, I say that because Mona and I, while we were on our, uh, our Sabbath rest time, we attended various churches, and I, to be on, I'll, I'll just be honest with you, I hated it. I despised that. And it happened many times. They would say, okay, shake hands with five people before you sit down. And here's why I did not like that. First, I'm, I don't know these people. But secondly, these people that were shaking my hand, they weren't doing it because they really wanted to know me. They were doing it, especially those of you who are the goal-oriented, you know, that the, you, you got a task to do, I'm going to do it, and you could see those people. They'd be running all over the church. They loved it because they were completing their task, shaking their hands, and some of them sat down going, I did 10. I did 10. But dear church... Beloved, listen to me. That's not what the scriptures are talking about. Now, there's nothing wrong with that unless you don't care for it much, like me, especially as a new person. There's nothing wrong with it, but that's not the greeting that is called for in the scriptures. 
To greet one another in the scriptures literally means to enfold in the arms. It is this warm, expressive welcome. I am so glad to see you. And the, and the heart behind it is, I mean it. I'm not doing it to, to shake hands with five people. I'm doing it because I'm genuinely interested and so glad that you are here today. That's what the scripture is talking about. I'm not recommending we kiss each other, okay? Please don't hear me say that. Some of you would get slapped, okay? But I am recommending that we think about what we do when we greet people. Shake hands in our culture. It's just shaking of hands. I know Bill, or not Bill, Joe Cox is here, and he was, I got two, no, how was it? Two hugs and a handshake? Oh, two handshakes and a hug from, from Joe. And that was a nice warm greeting, right? So, so I'm not saying we, we, we have to give these big, you know, bear hugs, although if you remember Eric Pies, he was always good for that. Eric, Eric was one of those guys that you look at and he's a big guy and you just go, oh, he's going to kill me. <laughs> but once you got to know Eric, he was a big old teddy bear and he'd just give you a big old hug. That's the kind of greeting that we're talking about. If we're going to accept one another, it, it really begins with this really, really heartfelt greeting that we give to one another. So accepting one another involves greeting one another but accepting one another also involves hospitality that's one of those words that's very interesting that that used to be used a lot in our culture and i think now it's kind of faded out but if you don't mind turn with me to first peter chapter 4 and notice verse 9 in first peter chapter 4 we have this command it's a one another command that falls under accepting one another. First Peter chapter 4 and verse 9. It says this. First Peter 4, 9. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. <laughs> I kind of find that funny that he adds without grumbling. Oh man, we have to have the fresh hours over today. Shucks. Why do we have to do that? But that's what Peter says. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. But I would also help us to understand that hospitality in that day was much more than having somebody over to your house for dinner. It often meant having a stranger in your home to spend the night with you. See, in that culture, in Bible times culture, there weren't as many inns as we have today, hotels, motels. It was hard to find that kind of thing. And so as believers would travel, they would look to other believers to stay in their home. And, and, and what was wonderful about that is not only was the traveling believer taken care of, but the one who was there in that place got to hear news of another church family in a different town, in a different city. Today, we have Facebook, right? We don't need travelers to come tell us. We have Facebook. Well, wait, right? You're thinking what I'm thinking? You can't believe Facebook, right? They're going to post the most best perfect things. Anyway, 
that went. Anyway, so, so here's what we need to do. We need to recognize that hospitality means, and, and I'll give you the definition, hospitality means really having a love for strangers. Now listen, kids, I know you've been taught about stranger danger, and that's true, okay? There is a thing about stranger danger, but when this is speaking of strangers, we're talking about those people who are new to us who are other brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. And so somebody comes in that door, and we've had that happen here. You get to talk to somebody. You get to meet somebody from a different town who may be just passing through. And, and you get to find out what the Lord's doing in their life. And, and maybe you, you take them to lunch afterward, after church service, or whatever it might be. See, hospitality is having the love, uh, love for strangers. It's sharing yourself with strangers. And what was interesting for me is as I thought about this, not only in the Old Testament did the Lord tell his people, the Israelites, to make plans for those who sojourn with them, those who are strangers and aliens, and we're not talking about outer space aliens, kids. We're talking about people who weren't originally living there. And God makes this incredible provision for them, even with the Old Testament law. They were to take care of strangers. They were to take care of these new people, and they were to welcome them in. And God says, you're not going to have a separate law for them and then a, a better one for you. No, you're going to have the same law. That's what God did in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, some of you remember these words. Jesus told about the sheep and the goats, remember? He, he separates them. And, and, he, and he says these words. He, he, he says to the sheep, I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. And they go, Lord, when, when was that? We, you know, we don't remember when these things happen. And he says this, if you've done it to the least of these, you've done it unto me. See, the idea of hospitality, loving and caring for strangers or new people is something that reveals our acceptance of them. And so hospitality is one of those things that, that acceptance involves. So we are to show hospitality to one another and no grumbling about it, okay? No grumbling. But thirdly this morning, I would also include under this category of accepting one another a real big one. And this for me is huge. And it also involves patience. Patience. Not like doctor and patient, patience. But patience. The first time that the Lord talked to me or, or helped me grow in this area of patience, and by the way, I'm still growing. I'm still working in this area. The first time was when uh, shortly after Mona and I were married. Uh, we had gone to a, a premarital counselor, uh, one of our pastors, and, and he had said, at that time we were running the youth ministry, and he told us, he said, listen, your, your first year of marriage, my advice is to you, to you is uh, step out of youth ministry. Don't lead it. Because that's a lot of stress. That's a lot of extra stuff. I want you to spend the first year working on your marriage. And, and so get into a ministry that's left less stressful. So what did we do? We worked in our Awana club, Dave. Which added way more stress. No, I'm kidding. Actually, it was very easy. And we were, at that time, we, we oversaw the, the uh, third and fourth grade girls, chums. It was called chums then, right? Chums. 
Today, that's probably not a very, that's not a very nice sounding word. But nonetheless, we took care of the three and four year old girls, or grade girls. And, and there was this one girl, Darcy. Oh, Darcy. She tried my patience. And, and the truth is, she tried my patience not because she was naughty. She was not a naughty little girl. She tried my patience because she required so much help. We would get off into our handbook time, and Darcy would sit over in the corner just staring into space. And I'm, I'm this, I'm like, we want a, every girl in this group, we want them to memorize scripture. And so we heard you got to go take, sometimes do one-on-one. So it seemed like I was always the one, I don't know how Mona got out of it, but it seemed like I was always the one that had to work with Darcy. Darcy, I got to, that's what it was. I got to work with Darcy. Did I say have to? Sorry about that. And she had a hard time reading. She couldn't remember things all that well. And I just wanted to pull my hair out because here's this girl. She's not naughty, but she just couldn't get it. And I just got frustrated. Well, our commander, this is a, I know Dave does this. Our commander recommended to us and all the other Awana leaders that we go visit the homes of our kids, our Awana kids. We went to Darcy's door, knocked on the door. We heard people in there. Nobody came. Knocked on the door a little harder. Still nobody came. Finally, we knocked super hard. And finally, this, this was it a guy? It was a guy that came to the door. I don't know who he was. I don't know if he was her dad or uncle or what, just a friend. He opened the door, and I couldn't understand a word he said. He was like totally stoned out of his mind. We open the door. We see Darcy right there. Her face lights up. And she comes running over to us, gives us this big hug. We saw her mom sitting on the couch, same way, just out of it. And we spent some time with Darcy. And I'll tell you what, the next Awana night, I had so much patience with, Mar- or with Darcy so much concern for her. I walked in her shoes for a little bit, if you will. I saw what her home life was like, and now it all was clear to me why she had such a hard time. And my love for her grew, and we planned it. It was like, then it was really legitimately, I get to work with Darcy tonight. I get to help Darcy. And it was such a joy for us when she memorized verses, and she got them, for the most part, right. We were just encouraging and clapping, and I think we signed a few of them, even though she got two, more than two words wrong. But we didn't care at that time. She did such a good job. We were excited for Darcy. And I learned, God taught me, patience, patience. Patience is lovingly enduring the faults of others, listen to this, without correction or retaliation. Lovingly enduring the faults of others without correction or retaliation. I love what Ephesians says, and we studied through Ephesians a while back, and I'm sure that we all remember chapter 4, verse 1, right, and 2, right? Let me read it for you. I therefore, Paul says, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Here it is. With all humility and gentleness, listen, with patience, 
bearing with one another in love, with patience, enduringly, uh, rather, lovingly enduring the faults of others without correction or retaliation, with patience, bearing with one another. And that's what the call is in Scripture. And that is what we need to do. Now, there is going to be a time, especially when we get to the confiding in section, where we will admonish one another, where we will teach one another, and we will help one another when that person is strained. But dear beloved, listen, we're talking about the acceptance stage. We don't have that depth of relationship at this stage. We are talking about people who are new to us, and we're talking about being patient when they are at fault or when they have faults. I want to read for you uh, out of the message, and I know some of you might have a problem with me reading out of the message, but tough. (laughs) If I can find it. Where did it go? Here it is. In Romans chapter 14, verse 1, Eugene Peterson translates it this way. And I'll tell you, I, I know some people have a struggle with the message. I'll tell you how I view the message. The message is a, is a great commentary for me. I look at it and I see how he has translated it, how he understands it, and, and, and I think he nailed it. Romans 14, verse 1, out of the message says this, and listen to this in light of being patient with one another. Welcome with open arms fellow believers who don't see things the way you do. And don't jump all over them every time they do or say something you don't agree with. Even when it seems that they are strong on opinions but weak in the faith department. And then he adds this. Remember, they have their own history to deal with. Treat them gently. I love it. That's being patient with one another, lovingly enduring the faults of others without correction or retaliation. This is the acceptance stage. When we refuse to do this, when we refuse to be patient, we are unloving. Point received. Finally, I would say the fourth, the fourth uh, one another that falls under the acceptance is this. Refusing to judge. Refusing to judge. Did you hear me? Don't judge. Don't judge. This is not just Pastor Jeff saying it. Go back with me to Romans chapter 14. I'll show it to you. And it's not just there. It's elsewhere. But back in Romans chapter 14, verse 13... He says, therefore, let us not pass judgment on one another any longer. Brothers and sisters in Christ, I would tell you, and I would just tell you personally, this has been my greatest struggle with the church. I love the church. Don't get me wrong. I'm a pastor of a church. Of course I love the church. But what I cannot stand and what I see as bringing more harm to the name of Jesus Christ than anything else when brothers and sisters judge and condemn one another and even do it publicly. I get ticked. Can I use that word, ticked? 
I know there's kids here. If you're not supposed to say that, kids, don't say what Pastor Jeff just said. I get mad. I get very, very angry when we decide that we need to judge one another. And when we write books against another Christian leader. Oh, brother. Yeah, let's lift up the name of Jesus as we fight with one another and judge and condemn one another. I'm getting worked up. Sorry. <clears throat> I'll calm down. I've got to have patience. But how unlike Christ is it when we judge? Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 through 5, the Lord Jesus himself tells us, do not judge. I mean, Jesus says it. Shouldn't we not judge then? Shouldn't we refuse to judge? See, if we are going to be a love-strong church, we need to get away from judging one another. Back in Matthew chapter 7, Jesus reveals to us that, that by the measure we judge another brother or sister in Christ, that's the same measure he will judge us with. Ouch! Do you really want to go there? And he goes on and says, how can you judge the speck in your brother's eye when you have a big old honking log in your own eye? See, I, I, I'm, I get upset because, because I want Jesus' name to be glorified. I want it to be exalted. I want people to go, I want to be a part of the family of God. But when they see us judging, when they see us putting down one another, They'd rather go to the local bar because they get more acceptance there, my beloved. So we got to be careful. We're talking about accepting one another. And at this point, we need to put off judging. We cannot judge. I don't know if you've ever been on the other side of judging, if you've been judged. I know I sure have. I, Jack, you've never, right? Because us pastors, we never get judged. Oh, wait, I guess we do. I'm, some of you probably judged what I was wearing today, huh? I can't believe he's got sneakers on today, right? But it's interesting because I've had people judge not only my clothes, not only the way I talk or, or, or what I get involved in or what I like to do or whatever. They, they like to judge that. But I've had people judge my motives. Yeah, I know you did that because of this. You're, you're wanting to do this. And, 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 and they judge my motives. Maybe you've been on that side. It's not fun. See, there's only one person that knows your heart, that knows my heart, that knows the person's heart that you are tempted to judge. <laughs> and you are not him. I'm not him. He's the one who is the just, righteous, holy judge who judges with full, complete understanding. He is just, which if you understand justice, you recognize that goes way beyond fairness, right? Right? He is just in his judgment. You and I don't need to judge one another. We don't. See, we're talking about accepting one another. It's the A of the ABC of love strong. So today, let's be reminded of this. That whoever believes, Jesus receives. And you may be here this morning, and maybe you have never come to that point in your life when you said, I believe. <laughs> I admit that my sins have kept me from heaven. I believe that my sins caused me to be dead, spiritually speaking. And a dead person can't make themselves alive again. Maybe today you're recognizing that you are a sinner and you've fallen short 
But the good news is this. Jesus says, whoever believes, whoever believes, I will receive. Whoever, it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter your past. It doesn't even matter what you just did this morning. You don't have to shape up, clean up, pay up. Whoever believes, he will receive. That's the good news, and that's the example we have this morning. And now our call, Christians, is to be like Jesus. Let's accept one another. Let's greet one another warmly with great great meaning behind it. Let's, let's be hospitable to especially new people that come in. Let's find out about them. Let's care for them. Let's be patient with one another. Let's lovingly endure the faults of others. And then let's make sure that we refuse to judge. Would you pray with me? Father God, we are so grateful that you are one who doesn't call us to do those things because you're mad at us or you, you, you want to you wanna hurt us, but you call us to do these things for our good, for the glory of you and for the exaltation of your Son, Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, I pray that as we've just looked a little bit at this, that, Lord God, we would leave this place ready, that we would leave this place convicted, that we would leave this place with a renewed heart of acceptance just as we have been accepted by you through our Savior Jesus. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.